Look, little boy, I don't have time to play with you. I watched as my younger brother's eyes darted about looking for an opening. I had him cornered. He was not supposed to be going anywhere. And I didn't have time for this. It was a morning routine, the bus would be coming soon, and here he sat playing a game that didn't nobody have time for. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack, where I talk about predicting thoughts and how other people think. So sit back, relax, and continue to listen as I see you on the flip. Ain't nobody got time for this. Come out of that corner now. That was me trying to use my big girl mama voice on my little brother as he hovered in the corner trying to figure out a way to get away from me. His eyes darted and I could see the mirth behind them. This little runt was trying to play with me and the bus was going to be coming soon. You see, it was my day to get my little brother dressed. We we did things like that to help out because it was a lot of kids and he decided to pull one of his little pranks. My brother was a prankster and he loved to play. Now, as adults, when we tell him these stories of the things he would do, he was like, I really wasn't that bad. We were like, yes, you were. And he would do them at the most inopportune moments. Uh, it, It just baffled the mind. And as I'm sitting back thinking about those times, um, I, I just have to still laugh. I actually was reminiscing about this the other day. I was at the grocery store and I saw a little boy do the same things that my brother would do. He took off running from his mom and he ran in circles. Now I could see the danger of it and I could see that she was um, fearful as well because this was a busy parking lot and people just, you know what people do in parking lots. But she finally caught up to him and he's laughing and giggling and um, falling out and she's picking him up and having to get him in the car lest he take off again. And it got me to really think about, wow, (laughs) there's usually a pretty good way to understand how people think based on the games they play. Today, I want to talk to you about uh, predicting thoughts or learning to think or know how other other people think. Today, I'm going to be talking about um, the games we play, the, the processes we go through, and I'm going to be highlighting a few books that I have um, had to read over the, the years and ones that I've taken pleasure in reading. So let me just get started. Um, one of the things that I really um, enjoy in hindsight with the formal education is that I was able to come um, across many uh, varied thinkers. You know, we might try to put ourselves in the same area of being academicians, you know, academics, but that wasn't the case. And I, it wasn't until I was forced to read this really dense book. And it, when I say dense, I'm not talking about the page length. It's actually a pretty short read for something on an academic level. But the wording and the way the guy said the stuff was what made it hard. And I'm not going to say I reluctantly recommend this book, but I find that a lot of times when I have uh, given talks 
that referenced this book or made mention of it, people do want the book. So guess what? I'm not going to keep you from, from getting and wading into this book. So have at it. So let me just go on and tell you what this first book is. And it's called Infinite and Finite Games by James Carsey. And it is a book that talks about the two games we all play in life. Now, when I was younger and I was really heavy into the dating scene, everyone was all about, oh, I don't play games. I don't play games. And and of course, it's cool to say and people like, yeah, no games, no games. Let's just, you know, be together. And if you would talk to Professor Carsey, he would say the lies you tell because everybody plays a game. If we don't, then it actually kind of leans towards our um, resistance to existence. So let's let's unpack this. Finite and infinite games. Now, most people are very aware of finite games, so much so that we're really good at classifying them and understanding them. And I'm going to talk about them, but let me start with the ones that we're not necessarily uh, aware of. So in uh, Mr. Carsey's book, he talks about these two types of games. So the infinite game, the infinite game. And oh, before I say that, let me say, you can't be a part of a game unless you are willing to play it. You're not part of a game unless you agree to play it. So there's that. So with an infinite game, with that premise in mind, it is a game that's set up for the purpose of continuing play. It does not have a winner, a loser, or what we would call a zero sum. It does not attempt to hit certain goals except for extended play. Like the title says, an infinite game is all about continuing to play the game. Now, the biggest infinite game that we willingly play is to live life. We want, and hopefully, to extend life as long as possible. If, heaven forbid, someone says, I don't want to play this anymore, then they either um, exit the game through means that we don't want to talk about here on this podcast, or they do things subconsciously to stop themselves from playing the game. But infinite games, those are the games that don't have a winner or a loser. They're not trying to level to, they're not trying to accrue anything. They are simply for the purpose of extending gameplay, quality gameplay for as long as possible. Okay, so we got that one, right? So finite games, this is where the rubber meets the road, where we spend most of our time devoted to that. Again, I'm going to remind you that in uh James Carsey's book, he talks about you can't play the game if you're not willing to play the game. So when we're talking about finite games, they do have a goal in mind. They do have uh, possibly a winner and a loser or, or something like that. And those are the games that we are engaged in throughout our life. Uh, we can um, have them where, like I said, they are set up for a winner or a loser. Sometimes they're set up for a time frame. Um, we get a lot of our entertainment based on these things. Uh, if you look at American football and how they have 50, they, they've divided the game into four sets of 15 and these players play against this clock. So they're not only trying to score, but they're playing against the clock to the point where if no one scores, they will play until the first person scores, but it's still within a time. So the concept of time is really big with our finite games as well. Now, 
Why am I even talking about games when I'm talking about predicting people's thoughts? Remember my little brother? I was engaged in a game that I didn't want to be engaged in, but I knew I had to at that time because the bus was going to be coming soon and I needed to get him to stop his game by playing my game. And that was to chase him, overcome him and subdue him and get that crap out of his head. Um, I don't know if I said it, but let me say it. My little brother, when we were growing up, little little black girls with a lot of hair, (laughs) my mother would buy grooming products. And at the time we had stuff called, um, well, it wasn't pomade. Let me just be honest. We called it hair grease. Okay. Hair grease. That's really what it was. The base of it was petroleum jelly. And then it had a few other little things added into it. So my mother would get these big jars of what was called blue magic. And it it was the glue that held our hair in place. And my little brother, I don't know if he was, he never told me what his fascination was with it when he was older. I just knew that he would go and take a big, his hand, and he would take the biggest blob of it he could get out of that big jar and he would smear it into the top of his head, kind of like um, a, a mountain. And it would sit up with a little peak and he would walk around with that. And he would choose to do it at the most inopportune time. And if you've ever had to deal with that thick of a meniscus of a, of a product, you know, it's really hard to get out in a short amount of time. And, and so I went off on that little tangent because I wanted to to explain how I knew what I had to do. I wasn't liking it, but I knew what I had to do. He was playing. That was his way of communicating with us. And so I was like, you know, once I saw that he was in the mood to play, I had to switch. I was working with a time constraint. He was working with another. And that was I was working with a finite game and he was working with an infinite game. His goal was to keep the game in play for as long as possible. He didn't care necessarily if I won or lost. He just wanted to play for as long as possible. I, on the other hand, was working with a finite. I must win and I must do this quickly and you must lose. I must get this crap out of your hair and get you dressed. Now, I could go on and on about the struggles we had with whether we dressed him first or we dressed him last, because it inevitably always happened that no matter what you chose, he was going to find a way to either wrinkle his clothes, get them dirty, take them off. It was, it was just a non-stop, I, 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 I guess that huff explains how I still feel about this all these years later, but it occurred to me after I was encouraged, if I wanted to get a grade out of this class, to read this book. And I'm not going to say the book was horrible. It wasn't. It's Like I said, it was just uh, academic speaking the way academics do when he could have said it way easier. And it took time to digest it and plod through it and think about it and discuss it to finally come away with this basic understanding that I just gave you about the, the basic premise of the book. I was playing a game to win. He was playing a game to keep it going as long as possible. Now, going to the finite games, and this is the area that if you want to predict people's thoughts, you you want to learn. You see, when we're in this life, like I said before, we're playing one or two, or most of the time we're playing both of the games. When you're dealing with someone, 
try to figure out what kind of game are they playing? If you understand the game they are playing, then your strategy will fall in line with that. Now, the other books that I wanted to bring up, there is a series of books by a former CIA um, intelligence officer, or as we would call them, a spy. His name is um, John Braddock, and that's B-R-A-D-D-O-C-K. And he has uh, two of them that I'm going to quickly reference today, and they're very short reads. So the first one is A Spy's Guide to Thinking, and then the second one is A Spy's Guide to Strategy. So I'm going to talk about the one on thinking first, talking about these infinite games. And that is that when you are looking at a person who is playing a, a finite game, meaning it has an ending insight, it uh, has some type of goal, uh, some type of level, maybe there is a winner, a loser or something, that's the kind of game that you're playing. It is played to have an ending to it, whereas Infinite is played to not have an ending to it. And so in that book, his um, uh, book of thinking, he talks about a situation he had in the field where there was a guy trying to take his phone. And he takes you through the process of how he thought. But what I liked about this, and he brought that that situation throughout the whole book to do his teaching. So he was talking about a spy's guide to thinking, but the majority of his thinking was not about necessarily himself. It was about trying to figure out the other guy's thoughts. He was trying to think of whether the guy knew he was a spy. Uh, what was the guy's true motive? How could he subdue the guy without giving himself away? He was looking for cues and all of the different things that led to him trying to um, assess how the other person was thinking. And like I said before, you can read this book in a sitting. Like, I'm, I'm serious. You can read it in like an hour or two. And it's really good. And it gets to the point. It's plain speak. And I I really like it. And so it's a good explanation of what I'm talking about here when you're learning how to think or know how others think. Now, there was a game going on between them. And he goes on to talk about that type of uh, game in the second book that I'm going to talk about, A Spy's Guide to Strategy. So in the first book, he talks about thinking and all the processes that they take into um, consideration when they're in the field, when they have to make uh, decisions. He even talks about uh, how Uh, the new is not necessarily, um, the new and untested, excuse me, is not necessarily the best. Uh, Usually it's going to go down to what you already know, but that's for another podcast. Today, I'm going to get to um, the other part that he talked about in the second book, which is a spy's guide to strategy. And he breaks down the three types, he calls them the three types of games people play. But these are the three types of games people play in the finite universe. Um, So you might be saying, well, Michelle, is the infinite only about living life as long as possible? Nope. It can be where you are playing an infinite game and someone is playing a finite game. Have you ever dated someone and you enjoyed their company and all you wanted to do was just extend the quality of their time and their adoration for you for as long as possible? But on the other hand, 
they wanted to continue to get you to define their relationship. They wanted you to um, put a time factor on to when you were going to move to the next level. Or it might have been, when when are we getting married? When are, when are we telling our friends we're together? They're playing a finite game. They're trying to get to the end of holy matrimony. Whereas you're just trying to have a great time with them. Kick it, if pe- you know, if you will. And I see this over and over again, especially when I used to have to, uh, not have to, but I, I used to do um, therapy sessions uh, with premarital couples and, and, and other people who would come for those types of uh, services for me. And it was just something. And so when I uh, finally came, encountered the first book, Infinite and Finite Games by uh, James Carsey, and I started explaining it to people, light bulbs started going off. And they were like, well, oh my gosh, I thought I was playing a finite game. I mean, I had this one person have a revelatory experience through it, through a session when they finally realized that what they were doing was they were trying to use an infinite game to break the wheel of someone playing a finite game. They were simply in the relationship with them so that they could deny that person the goal of having their finite game. And they were like, I never thought I was a game player. And here I am doing this punitive work against what they, the the other partner wanted. And so, yeah, it can be really deep, really insightful. So let me talk about these three types of uh, finite games that people play uh, based on the Spy's Guide to Strategy. So you know these, but I'm just going to go over them. And if you don't, hey, take, take, take it. So there is the zero-sum game. There is the positive-sum game. And then there is the negative-sum game. So you got zero, positive, and negative-sum games. And these are finite games. So let's talk about the one that most people are familiar with and think of when you think about playing games and playing finite games. So the zero-sum game is when somebody has something to lose. It's usually involved in sports, conflict, politics, where if someone is winning, someone else is losing. And when I talk about um, the the zero-sum, it can go longer, but eventually somebody has got to win. And it can be really squirrely. Um, You see it in war conflicts. You see it in teams playing against each other. And therefore, zero-sum games have given us a lot of brilliant insight into strategy. And strategy, a lot of times, is not only dealing with what you're going to do, but it's also dealing with uh, presupposing or predicting what other people are going to do, or aka predicting their thoughts and figuring out how other people think. So we got the zero-sum game, okay? The next one is the positive-sum game. Now, this positive-sum game, it means that there is an understanding that we want to continue to work cooperatively with someone else or others, and we want to make it where all sides continue to benefit. What is the deal-breaker on this is it um if all sides are not benefiting or somebody starts benefiting less than the other then the game ends so the goal of the game is to make sure that people benefit on all or both sides it also requires voluntary actions so you can also see that in politics but think of it a marriage is a positive sum game It's a cooperative where people volunteer and they work so that there is benefit on both sides. 
and it requires exchange. It, it requires an exchange of something. So you can't, you, you have to have some skin in the game. So there's that for the positive sum. Now let's talk about the negative sum. This one doesn't happen too much unless it is forced, coerced, or punitive. And it is all about attrition. So when I talk about attrition, it's uh, a negative sum means that in its very way it's set up, people are going to fall off or stop playing. And when you have a negative sum, think of labor strikes. Who can last the longest? The people who fall off or don't or can't sustain losses as long, they lose. So it's zero sum gone really bad, zero sum on steroids, because it's a it's a fight just to not lose as much as someone else. But everybody loses something in a negative sum game. And this is how it, it ends. Once a side realizes it's losing too much as compared to everybody else's losses, the game is now over. Okay, so when you have these life games that people are playing, I'm going to tell you that one of the things that you can do is start to figure out what game are you playing? What game are they playing? And I'm going to tell you, it's not usually game. It's usually games with an S. You can have a myriad uh, amount of games. You can be playing an infinite game with one person and the very next person you can be playing a finite game. And these games um, can take on complexities that give you great insight to who you are and who other people are. So now let me tell you quickly how you can figure this out. You can figure this out by guess what? Listening to what people tell you. As my grandmother said, your business gets out because you tell it. Listen to what people tell you. They're telling you about themselves every day. Now, I want to go back and I, I like the way that uh, John Braddock in the Spy Guide 2 series puts it. So he puts it a different way. Well, not a different way, just a, a better, succinct way. And he says that people's stories contain data. And this data is presented to you because it's filtered by the choices of what they've chosen to tell you. He says that you can learn a lot about what they value, what they think about others, and most importantly, what they think about themselves. Listen to their stories to see, are they the hero, the distant observer, or the victim, or all of them? Now, thinking about the stories that I tell you, I try to make sure that I cover all of these where I show you where I might have been a victim, but hopefully I became an observer and I learned and, be, and turned my zero into a hero. Um, I, I look at these constructions of what people tell us and I, I look at where is the variety because those are going to give you insights into what someone is thinking. I am able to look and self-correct on a lot of crap when I go back and review my stories and, and not my stories to you guys on the podcast, but those stories that we tell ourselves in our head and the, the stories of the conversation that we've had with others. And so this is the insight to figure out what game someone is playing and then to figure out what their end goal is. See, that's the next thing. People always want to have an end goal when they're dealing with a finite game. So if you have figured out that someone is there to have a relationship with you that is a finite game, let's just call it what it is. This is this is how I usually look at it. So in relation to someone, if they are interacting with you for an end goal, 
that's a transactional relationship. We're going to transfer some type of services, goods, rewards, or something of value that we both value. And it's going to have an end goal. Have you ever had it where you have a conversation or interaction with someone and you know that they are simply there to um, get something from you and you're trying to figure out their angle? What are you after? Why are you here? Why are you being nice to me? What do you want from me? How much are you trying to get from me? You know, those types of things. You're probably dealing with a finite game. And a lot of times you're possibly dealing with a zero-sum game where they're going to win and hopefully they're, they're wanting you to lose. Now, it can be a positive sum where it's a quote-unquote win-win. And, and that's what positive sum means, win-win, uh, where you know this is transactional. And as long as we mutually benefit each other, we can ride or die. But when, this, when, I, when, when they stop getting as much out of the relationship, they're out of here, that's a, zero, a, a positive sum game. And then, so once you figure out if you have a transactional friendship or relationship with someone that's for the purpose of a goal, a finite game, or you might have an infinite game where someone just wants to be around you and have uh, interaction with you for as long as possible, for as long as possible, with as much quality as possible. And even if that quality tends to wane sometime, they're still going to be there. You're most likely looking at an infinite um, relationship, which is it's it's not transactional, it's transformative, where it transforms both of you for having been in there. Okay, so we got that. So let me repeat that real quick, because I know I've given you a lot of stuff right now. So when you're trying to predict someone else's thoughts and, and things, you're looking at the games they play. Are they trying to play an infinite game where it has no goal in mind, there is no time constraint on it, and they are in it to win it. I mean, not in it to win it, forgive me. They're they're stick and stay, ride or die. They just want to be around you and have the best quality as possible. That's an infinite type of game. Whereas a finite game does have a goal in mind. A lot of times it's constrained by time. And then I've given you the three types of finite games. Zero sum, uh, somebody got to win, somebody got to lose. Positive sum, we play this thing together and we both benefit until one of us don't, doesn't, and then we're out. And then negative sum, that is zero sum on steroids where you're, you're both losing, but you're trying to hold out. It's a game of chicken. How long can I keep this up um, and out, outlast you? Uh, I want you to lose more than I do. So it's still looking at trying to win, but win through not losing the most. So you have the negative one. And so then we look at what type of strategy are they after? What are they after? That'll let you know what type of transactional relationship you're having with them. What's their goal? What's their outcome? And that's where the key to strategy begins of figuring out how other people think, what they want from you, and how to predict their thoughts. So in that book, The Spy's Guide to Strategy, John Braddock says that strategy is to think backwards from the outcome you want and then plan from there. Now, it sounds pretty easy, right? He says that strategy starts when you look forward and that in that requires some imagination. Now, this part is something that I I loved about how his straightforwardness is. And I've, I've said it, but not as eloquently as he does. And he says, thinking is cheap. Action is expensive. You see, action is irreversible and action costs a lot. So 
before you make a move, you need to know what is going to be the actions you take because it's going to be expensive. You can't undo them. And once they're done, you're stuck with it. And so that is where we start with, okay, figuring out what someone is after or or what this interaction with this company or this business or this client is going to entail. Is this transactional? Is this transformative? What type of actions are going to help them and me get the outcomes we want? Because when you think about it, strategy is thinking backwards from the outcome you or they want and then making a plan from there. And when I started to really work with this, now, it sounds easy. And yeah, I've been able to talk, tell, tell it to you in a few minutes. But when you are sitting there with a pen and a blank piece of paper trying to figure this out, it can be a Herculean task. Let's just be honest. But understanding really what's going on, thinking back to my brother, his goal was to keep the game going as long as possible. Whereas my goal was to hurry up, win, get this crap out of his hair, get him dressed and get him on the bus in time. And so knowing what my outcome was and knowing what his outcome was, I was able to develop a strategy to appease him. So the usual way to get my brother to calm down was, you are so funny. Oh my gosh, you're great. You know, playing toward his ego and his accolades that he made you smile, he made you happy. And then he would have, um, he would feel that connection that he was wanting. And he's like, you know, I'm promising him, we'll play when you get home to, uh, you know, to uh, later or, or, or whatever, because he wanted to keep the play going. So telling him, giving him, making him the promise of giving him more of what he wanted helped. I was then able to get him to settle down get him dressed, get that crap out of his hair and get him on the little um, kinder care bus or whatever it was he was uh, going to his little daycare for. And I didn't realize that those simple little things that we took for granted would be able to teach me how to predict thoughts and understand better how other people thought so that I could have a better relationship, interaction, transaction, whatever it was with them. So I hope that that wisdom smack has helped you guys to understand how you can predict thoughts in others and figure out how other people think. Guess what? My time is up and I sure want to thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Please don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. And consider using, no, just go on and do it. You've been listening. Help us out. (laughs) Use our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And I am going to see you, guess when? Tomorrow. Talk to you later. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.